Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. All right. So last week we had a tough passage, and this week we have a much easier passage in one sense, just this delightful passage and um, uh, a beautiful picture of Christian community that we have in this passage, this wonderful, um, yeah, kind of ideal of what life in God's family is supposed to look like. And so I've been looking forward to going through this today with you all. And uh, I love this community and love you all so much. And so this, it's a, this is a fun, this is a nice sort of like, this is the dessert after last week. You know, we, we made it through last week and now we, now we get to enjoy this sweet passage. And before we look at the passage itself, I was, as I was looking at this passage, I was reminded of two things this week. Um, the first, and this may be the most important thing I say, I think, uh, all day from my standpoint, is I was reminded of the heart of Jesus himself for his people and the family that he was forming. And uh, I want to remind you of, you know, this is a, a picture of the upper room. This was the night before Jesus died, right, when he instituted the Lord's Supper with his disciples. So his closest friends, this, you know, rich family that he had formed. And um, I was reminded of, as, as he was thinking about leaving, what did he most want to impart to his followers? And a lot of what he wanted to impart is how they would be together after he left. And so, as many of you know, what he did is he, this was the night where he washed his disciples' feet, which, which is an unheard of act in the first century. And he, he became their servant. And he said, guys, when I leave, this is what I want you to do for one another. I want you to serve one another. I want you to put each other's interests ahead of your own. And then he gives them, in that same night, a commandment. He says, it's not really a new commandment, but it has a new, renewed focus for Jesus. A new commandment I give you, I want you to love one another. As I have loved you, so you must now love one another. And this is the phrase that really hit me this week. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It says, I'm leaving, and your primary witness to the world will actually be not who you are as individuals, but what your fellowship together looks like. As people watch you, as they see a love among you that they don't see out there in the world, this will be the thing that tells them those are Jesus people. The defining characteristic of a Jesus person will be how they love one another. 
And then he concludes the upper room time with a prayer to his father. He prays for the world. He prays for himself. He prays for his disciples. And then he prays for people who would come to know the message through the disciples, which is you and me. Down through the ages, Christians, followers of Jesus, who would, who would be there. And he had one thing on his mind for, the follower, for his followers in the future, and this is the prayer. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Here it is. That all of them may be one. Unity was his prayer. May they be in us, Father, Son, so that the world, again, may believe that you have sent me. He said, when I think about my future family, my prayer for them is unity, oneness, because when the world sees that, the world might be convinced, oh, God really did send Jesus. This will be the, this will be the great testimony. And so I was just reminded this week that Jesus' heart for us is about much more than just what we are as individuals. But his heart is what we are together and how we interact with each other, how we love one another. And I was reminded that the story of Scripture is very much not a story of God just saving individuals and getting them ready for heaven, though it is partly that. But the story is actually God is busy in the world forming a community, a family among whom he can dwell by his spirit. That's the story of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. So I was reminded of that, that that's our calling. It's something that we can only do together. I was also reminded of the fact that, um, oh, I was reminded of contemporary society, um, which is that we are living in a society today that at every turn is pushing us away from that kind of deep, committed fellowship that Jesus is calling us into. I was reminded of... um, uh, this, this, uh, the, the popular philosophy of the day, one author coined this phrase, expressive individualism. And this has captured the imagination of contemporary Western society. This is the, the popular street philosophy. We live by expressive individualism. And we see it in our stories. We see it in our movies. We, of course, see it in our advertisements. Everywhere we look, this is what we're being invited into. And it's essentially this. I want you to look inside of you. What are the, what are the desires? What are the drives? What are the longings that you have? And the good life is about giving free and full expression to those out in the world. And the enemy would be any person or tradition or institution or you name it that would Keep that from happening. It would keep you back from your fullest and freest self. Okay, that has just become the air we breathe these days. Uh, and I was reminded of another phrase from another author where they talk about how people choose now loose networks over covenant relationships. Right? This is how in most Western society, how people go about their lives. We choose loose relational networks over deep covenant relationships. And the reason we do that is because um, networks allow for some connection, but they also give maximum freedom with minimum commitment, <laughs> okay? So if things are going well, that's great. You've got these connections. And if things get really hard, you're not that deeply known. You're not that deeply connected, and you can kind of just move on and, and, and do what you want. And this is what we're living in, expressive individualism and loose networks. That is modern society, at least in the West. And, um, and in the short term, those actually can kind of work. Like, take the next month of your life, and that works pretty well. And when life is going along swimmingly, those work pretty great. 
Um, but in the long term, a lifetime, decades of that um, is a lonely, isolated life. And when things aren't going well, but when things get really hard, um, then you have nothing to, that, that roots you deeply in these people who are committed to you, who will love you and you're good and you're bad, who will love you through the easy times and the hard times. And so I think um, what Jesus is offering is actually something that the culture deeply, deeply needs. And there's, there's a inside of the culture right now. This, this is not going to work. And, and I mean, I could say a lot more about this, but hard to imagine how you can keep a nation together when these are your driving principles, right? Like that, that, that's not gonna last well for long, right? If there's nothing that's, that's bringing us together for the common good and this commitment and sacrifice is something bigger than ourselves, okay? And so we're invited into this beautiful picture within the church of, of family in the midst of a society that is, we're seeing is fracturing, right, all over the place. And we can offer it something truly different and beautiful. All right? Amen. So I want to look at this today. Let's look at this passage. And um, last week I mentioned that, you know, chapter 3 really gets at the heart of Paul's ethics. And the essence of his ethics to believers is this, be who you are. <laughs> this is what ethical life is, be who you are. This is who you are. You died to an old way of life. You've been raised to a new way of life with Jesus as your Lord. So be who you are. Die to these old practices and put on these new practices. Clothe yourselves, he'll say this today, with these Christ-like principles. Okay? So let's start uh, with verse 12. Notice Paul begins by saying, Here's who you are. I want to remind you of who you are. I'll put it up there. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. And I'll just take that in for a second, if you can. Paul's reminding them, this is who you are. Now, chosen, holy, dearly loved. Okay, that right there is a description of Jesus in the Gospels. You hear Jesus often described in those three ways. And the good news is, by faith, you are now in Christ, right? That's the heart of Paul's theology. You have been united to Jesus. You're in Christ. So Christ's identity has become yours. So all the, the, the love that God has for his son Jesus, the affection, all of that, you now have that because you are in his son Jesus. You're chosen, okay? Before you made a choice for God, he chose you. His choice is, pri uh, is before yours and, and gives the foundation to yours. He chose you. Um, you're holy. You're now set apart. You belong to him. You don't belong to the world anymore. You're his, and he's got you. He's saying, you're mine. You belong to me. And I love this last one, and you are dearly loved. Not just put up with, not just endured by God, right? You're dearly loved. He's got a thing for you now. He, you're the apple of his eye. Okay, dearly, dearly loved. This is who you are. Okay, we, have to, we have to take this kind of information in every day. We need to, 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 to wake up and remind ourselves, this is who I am. This is my identity. Now, what I want to do is, when, when you're able to take that in, I know some days that hits us and some days it doesn't, right? But... Um, 
I, I wanted the, we're going to have, there's a long list of qualities we're going uh, to be given the rest of this passage. But th- there's two of them that I want to start with that I, I was thinking when, when I'm experiencing this, when I'm really aware of that this is who I am, there, there's two of the qualities that, that Paul mentions that really hit me. Okay, and I'm going to start with those. Uh, the first is, of course, the quality of gratitude. Okay, and we're moving into Thanksgiving week. And so, you know, Scott, how do you think about what you're grateful for? And, um, but I think when I'm really f- experiencing this, there's just a quality of gratitude to my life. And Paul mentions a lot of gratitude in this passage. Look at verse 15. The end of verse 15, he ends it by saying, be thankful, right? You're dearly loved. You're holy. You're chosen. Be thankful. Look at verse 16, how it ends, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Look at how verse 17 ends, giving thanks to God the Father, right? Three different times, be thankful, give thanks, give thanks. This is who you are. And when I'm reminded of my identity, I am filled with gratitude. I'm caught off guard by the grace of God and my life is filled with gratitude, okay? And the other uh, quality in this long list that I was thinking of is the quality of humility. And if you look at verse 12, you'll see uh, humility right in the middle of that list. And that, that's, when, when I experience my identity in Christ, uh, again, sometimes it just, I'm caught off guard by the grace of God. And for me, there's something very humbling about that experience, in the best sense of the word humility, okay? Like where, I, where sometimes I feel like God just reminds me, hey, your life is not and then defined by what you do, how well you perform, how impressive you are, any of those things, your life is defined my, by my grace, by what I have done for you. Your life has given me an opportunity to demonstrate my grace and my mercy. You're loved by me. That's who you are. When I, when I that really sinks in. It's a very gratifying, but also very just humbling experience. And there's, for me, there's something very freeing about humility. And, and for me, sometimes, you know, I wake up and there's, there's other things. There's, there's ambition, right? There's this desire to, to perform. There's this desire to prove myself, mostly to myself. There's, there's this desire to make something of myself. But when that identity sets in, it's like, it's like an exhale of all that. It's like, oh, yeah, I am God's child. It's a very, like, calming and, and freeing quality, uh, one of my favorite poets has a poem that s- starts this way. Today, I'm flying low. I'm letting the voodoos of ambition sleep. And I like that. Like, there's, there's, there's a humility to what she's explaining. Like, today, I'm just, I'm letting ambition sleep. I'm flying low. I'm, I'm humbled. And um, so I wanted to highlight those two qualities of gratitude and humility first. Because I think, think about when you are feeling humble and grateful. Okay, when, you, when those qualities are working in your heart, how do you then step into a community like this? When you walk in on a Sunday morning, you walk into a small group, or you're just engaging with friends, when you are really humble and grateful, how do you, how do you show up in community? And what I think how we show up is a very freed space. Like, dude, I don't need attention right now. I don't need to prove myself. I don't need to make sure that like everyone sees how awesome I am. Um, I don't need to defend my rights, uh, right? Like I'm good. I'm, I'm so grateful and I'm humbled. So I'm actually just freed to like, just enjoy these people 
and to love them and to, to pay attention to them, to hear from them. I, I'm freed up from all the, the, the great suck of self <laughs> to just be with them in love. And I think that's really what, what Paul is inviting us into in this passage. This is who you are. And this is who you are together. Step into this community with that, that humble, grateful posture. And really good things will emerge. Okay, so here's what I want to do for the rest of the time. I, I want to look at just this list. And we're going to kind of go through it real quickly. Hopefully this won't feel tedious. Um, but um, Paul's command is clothe yourselves. That's the image he uses here. You, you are in Christ. You've got to put on your Jesus clothes, okay? The, the apparel oft proclaims the man, as Shakespeare once said, right? So, so put on these qualities of compassion, humility, and kindness because this is who you are, all right? And, and what I want you to do is I'm going to just put these up on the screen, say a couple words about them, but I want to invite you to consider yourself in this community and go, how... How do I embody these qualities? Like, don't just think about these in the abstract, but think, how do, I, how do I see these playing out in my life? Which are the ones that are really challenging for me? Which are the ones that, are, that come naturally to me? Which ones um, am I good at? But I want you to be thinking about yourself in this community, okay? And, um, oh, there's that and that. There you go. Um, doing great with the screens today. My goodness. Um, so I, I've divided the list into two big groups, okay? I'm going to tell you, there's, there's first, a first group of qualities that are just, these are always the ones every day. These are just proactive qualities that you need to bring to community all the time. And then there's going to be a, a second list, a smaller list, that these are qualities that are especially needed when things get hard, okay? So that's how I'm, Paul doesn't divide it that way, but I, for me it was helpful to think of it that way. So let's look at this first list. Just These are things that are always needed. So clothe yourselves with. So... You have to do the rest of the work today. I'm just going to like put these words up and say a couple things, but you've got to bring your own life to this, okay? So first one, he says, and you can follow along with me in the Bible, and uh, this is verse 12. Clothe yourselves with compassion. It's actually two Greek words that get translated here, but one of them is a word that means the guts. And in first century, your guts are moved when you see a person you care about, especially if they're in need. Uh, in modern society, we've moved that up several inches to the heart. Now we say our heart goes out to that person, right? But he says, you want to have this affectionate uh, compassion for one another. You want, you want to feel um, for each other. And do you have compassion for the people in this room? Uh, one of my favorite lines from Dietrich Bonhoeffer is not on the screens. What did I do? Okay. There it is. Um, I love this. I heard this back in college. We must learn to regard people less in light of what they do or omit to do and more in light of what they suffer. You know, I, th I think every, every Sunday, you all are coming into this room and people are carrying so many weights into this room. And we're all pretty pretty decently buttoned-up group of folks on the outside, right? But there's so much that, that is carried into this room every Sunday. And what would it look like for us to, to look at each other in light of the burdens that we carry, that we may not know about from each other, but there's, there's wounds, there's, there's challenges, there's responsibilities, there's burdens. And there's a compassion that can come from knowing there's more to this person right now than what I'm seeing right here. They, they carry darker and harder things than I'm probably aware of. And there's a compassion that comes from that. 
All right, close yourselves with compassion. How about this one? Kindness. Um, man, the world is in need of just good old-fashioned kindness these days, isn't it? Not harsh, critical, but just kind. <laughs> sort, of a, sort of a, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say anything else about it, but kindness. So in need today. Um, gentleness, or uh, some translations, meekness. And many of you know this, in the first century, this word translated um, the idea of a horse that had been trained, that was no longer wild and unruly, but had been trained. So it's, the idea is it's strength under control, okay? So uh, me- gentleness and meekness is certainly not weakness, but it's the ability to restrain yourself. Um, it's restraint, that's what it is. And this is one of the great qualities of Jesus that we see uh, in the Gospels, this very strong man who consistently chose to restrain things he could have done or things he could have said. And, um, you know, gentleness is not the most inspiring quality. I don't know anybody who's like, when I grow up, my ambition is to be gentle, you know. Um, but man, it is so needed in, in a family, in community, for people to say, I'm not going to assert my right in this moment. I'm not going to defend myself in this moment. Uh, I'm going to choose restraint. And it, it's a strong, it, it takes a lot of strength to restrain yourselves when, so when, you, when you're wanting to respond in kind. So it's, it's not a weak quality. It's a strong quality. It's a Jesus quality. Uh, kindness, humility, gentleness. Uh, and then uh, I'm going to go to, uh, let's see, Verse 14, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity, right? Love is the thing that that brings us all together. This I already said. This is the definitive quality of the Jesus person. This is the Greek word agape, many of us know. Um, It it is this, uh, it's not a feeling. It's not like I love chocolate. It's not that kind of love, right? It's, It's commitment to each other's good. That's what agape is. It's this, I am for you. I'm committed to your good. I'm committed to that uh, sacrificially. When it costs me, I'm con- committed to that unconditionally. Even when you're not, doesn't feel like you're being committed to my good. I, I'm, I want to do what is good and right by you. And of course, Jesus is the great example of that. Uh, verse 15, he goes on to say this. Uh, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts... Since as members of one body, you were called to peace, okay? Um, now, as Western individualists, most of us hear that word peace and we interpret it individually. Like, oh, you mean like freedom from anxiety, right, and stress. I want to feel peace. And sometimes it means that in Scripture. But here, he's talking about relational peace. He's talking about unity. Right? He says, let, let the unity of Christ dwell in you. Since as members of one body... You were called, right? You guys belong together. And so let that desire for unity well up in your hearts because that's what, God, what Christ has done. He's brought about unity. And that, it's an interesting phrase, let peace rule, okay? And that word for rule, the Greek word, uh, was used of an umpire, like a, like a referee or an umpire who, um, you know, would make the call in a contested situation, right? You're... You're safe or you're out. It's a strike. It's a, it's a ball, right? And so what Paul is saying is um, when you come up against moments relationally that are challenging, 
what's going to be the principle that guides, that makes the call, that's, that's sort of the judge in the moment. And he's saying, let peace be the thing. Let unity, right? You're having a hard thing going on. We'll say, what's going to promote unity here? Well, that's the decision. I'm, that's how I'm going to engage this. That's going to be the thing that gets the final word. That's not to say we don't you know, speak up and we don't speak truth. They're clearly, that's all, all those principles are in the scriptures as well. But the idea is let peace, let, let re- relational unity be the thing that, that gets the final word if you're not sure what else to do. <laughs> I can put it that way. And then one more in this list. And, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Let the word dwell in you richly. Again, sometimes we think of that very individualistically, right? I'm going to have a quiet time. I'm going to read the word daily. Very important things to do, I think. But here Paul is thinking corporately. Now let the word of Christ dwell within you, right? As you gather together, let the word be the thing that's spoken about. Certainly we gather together and there's a guy up here speaking the word. Um, but what happens when the service ends, right? And we remain in this room, we go out to the patio, we go out to brunch. What are we talking about? Um, are we jumping straight to that amazing USC, UCLA football game last night, right? <laughs> I just saw the score. I actually didn't get a chance to watch it, but it looked like, a, it, looked like it was pretty amazing. Um, uh, good for football, let's say that. Um, is that what we're talking about only? Uh, or business, or politics, or, or whatever, right? Or, or is the word something that's coming up? What are you being encouraged by lately? What, what, what have you been reading? What, what is, you feel like God has been impressing on you? This is what Paul means here. Let this be the thing that, that shapes your conversations more and more. Okay, so um, these, are, these are always the right thing to do <laughs> in the church family. This is always the thing to do. And then I'm going to give you one more list. There's going to be three more qualities. Of, I was thinking, he, he mentions three things that are especially needed when things get hard, okay? When things maybe are going south or just getting tougher. And here they are. Uh, first one, clothe yourselves with, um, this is back to, I think, verse 12, patience, Okay? Um, that word, I've told you recently, it, it literally means long-tempered, okay? Meaning, it, let it take you a long time before you get angry. Don't be short-tempered. Don't be short-fused. Be the kind of person who, who kind of can take a hit and another hit and another hit before you're quickly triggered to, ah, to, to burst out. God is very long-tempered. He's, he's, he's described this way. Uh, Yahweh right? It was long-tempered. Jesus was long-tempered. Um, radically countercultural um, quality in this age of like instant, I want what I want, cheap, easy, and now, right? No, no. Patience. Um, but patience is only required when someone is frustrating you, right? <laughs> you don't need it until then. Uh, <laughs> this is the least inspiring of all the commands in this passage. Bear with one another, Right? Just sometimes it's about just putting up with each other. Nothing, nothing more sexy than that, right? Put up with each other. Bear with each other. This is what is needed in family, 
right? You, you, you think of, if you grew up, you know, we all grew up in some family of origin, you have siblings, right? There's, you have parents, you have all, there's just a lot of bearing when you live together. And in the church family, it's the same way. There's just a lot of bearing that we have to do with each other. And I think of, you know, just think of the last four years, like what we've been through together. And you think of, so how many of us have been in a, in a group and someone just makes a political comment, you know, that's just like, not what you would say, and it's sort of like, just like, it's not nuanced, it's just, oh, uh, and you're like, oh, that's so hard, and, and it's sort of assumed that I guess everyone's thinking the same thing in this room, and you're like, I'm not thinking the same thing, right? How many times has that happened in the last three or four years? And sometimes you just, you just have to bear, right? You just kind of put up with that. Um, how many of us have been in groups, small groups, where, you know, you have like the classic, I'm just saying, you have like the classic overshare, you know? Um, <laughs> Right? It happens. And um, if you don't know who the overshare in your group is, you know, could be you. Um, but it's sort of that, right? It's sort of off top. It's sort of thing. And it's like, uh, and, and you just, right? You just bear. You just put up with each other. And I, again, of course, we speak into things with one another. There's, there's, that's important. But part of being family is just learning how to put up with each other. And of course, the art is to put up with each other without it being obvious that you're putting up with each other, right? <laughs> like, it doesn't work if it's obvious that you're putting up with each other, right? But this is, this is the, the uninspiring, you know, side of Christian family. Uh, and then the final one that he mentions, uh, this one, forgive one another as the Lord forgave you. And I think this might be the hardest one of all in community, when someone genuinely hurts you, and, and we have a lot of wounding you know, in this community over the years, probably especially in the last several years, but we hurt each other, right? We, we say not good things to each other. We, we fail to love. We, we are conspicuously absent through each other's wounds sometimes. All, all these ways that, that broken people hurt one another. And this is, I think, maybe the hardest thing when everything in us is hurt, when we're screaming for revenge, uh, or, or, or we want to just withdraw, right? We, either, we either, usually want to attack or we want to withdraw. And, and forgiveness is like, I'm going to stay engaged with this person who's hurt me, and I'm going to work to forgive them. And that is, that is such a hard thing to do. And so I love, you know, um, I think Paul knows that, <laughs> and he, he says it. He says, verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And he reminds them, right, who you are. You are, at your core, your forgiven people. And so you want to extend this forgiveness to one another. And I, I've thought about this a lot. It's interesting. Some of Jesus' hardest words and harshest words are reserved for those who can't forgive. Like, he'll say things that I think, I can't believe you're saying this, Jesus. Like the Lord's Prayer, right? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass us against us. Remember how it ends? For if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father won't forgive you. I'm like, well, so God's forgiveness is not unconditional all of a sudden, Jesus. And he, and he says that more than once. And it's been a it's kind of hard to get your heads around how, how, how strong he can be on this issue of forgiveness. And my best understanding is, is what he's saying is, hey, the gospel is about forgiveness. Like the whole foundation of this thing is the grace of God and the fact that we all are sinners in need of forgiveness. 
And so when you don't extend forgiveness to one another, it actually shows you don't actually understand the gospel. Like you're, you're not actually a gospel person. This is as basic as it gets. And so I, I wonder if that's what he's saying. Like, hey, to, to not forgive shows that you're actually, you're not in this thing or you're acting as though you haven't bought into this whole thing, which is the whole premise is the forgiveness of God. Okay, and again, this is easy to say, and there's all sorts of like how we actually do this with one another, but there's, there's at the core of our community, there's to be this heart of forgiveness for one another. Okay, so that's a lot of things. Uh, I'm gonna put this up in, in a second, but I, I wanna end um, my comments. Okay, there they are. Good, I'll keep them up there. Um, I just wanna affirm you guys. And, you know, I've been 19 years now uh, on staff here. And, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yes. Well, you guys, you guys. Gosh, gosh. That was not what the intention was. Joel and Scott have been here for like two years more than me. Mark and Trace have been here like 20 years more than me. Um, so... Uh, no, what I want to say is that I've had so much time to experience you, and um, I just want to affirm you in that this is, abs- I mean, we're broken, right? We're imperfect. This church has got problems, but like, you guys are a great group of people. And I just want to mention a couple things. Like, I have seen times um, where someone will come into our community from outside our community, and especially someone who's going through hard times, okay? And they come into this community, and I have seen you all seasons where you just will rally around somebody and, and just love them, pay attention to them, listen to them, care for them. And sometimes I'll watch this happen. I'll, I'll think about that person. I'm like, oh, that person's, they're in trouble. Meaning like God's got his hand on that person. Because you all are in this person's life. I know that they're experiencing something in this community that they have not experienced outside of this community. And I've seen that happen so many times over the 19 years in just really beautiful ways that you guys have been the, uh, truly the hands and feet of Jesus in people's lives. I've seen so many times, more, more times, where one of you is going through something hard, going through cancer, going through marriage crisis, going through the death of a loved one, and watching the way that you guys come together around hurting people. And I know we don't, sometimes people get missed in this, um, but for the most part, um, the sacrifice you guys make of time, of energy, of resource, of love and care, uh, just connection is, it's beautiful to watch. It's just a, it's just a really remarkable thing. And so I, I want to really affirm you, after I slapped you across the face a couple times last week, um, <laughs> I especially want to affirm, um, this is really it's beautiful. You guys, I, you guys have been experienced for me of family, and I watch you be family uh, to one another. And again, I know some of you might go, I don't feel like I'm inside that circle, and I get that. It's not, it's not perfect, um, but it's been a pretty, pretty amazing uh, experience of grace uh, and generosity in my life. And I want to I just end, you know, I want to I um, go back to, um, you know, what I said about just sort of our society today, um, and the individualism and the, sort of this culture of self. And um, I want to remind you um, that this vision, the Christian community, it's really a long play. Like you, you have to see it in terms of 
of a long game because in the short game, it's, it can be harder, right? Like, again, loose networks, uh, expressive individual, that's easier. It, it is, it, in one sense, it's easier. Um, but the long play of covenant community um, is so much better. I remember this summer, um, before first service, uh, I was out in the patio sending our uh, sixth grader, which is scary to say, off to Hume, okay? Hume Camp, so this week-long camp with overflow for the first time. And there's parents circled up who are, you know, sending their kids off and then, and then Trevor let us praying for the, for the week. And I'm looking at several of these parents who um, we went to youth group camp together back when we were in sixth and seventh and eighth grade. And now we're sending our kids off to that. Um, Joel and I were just having a conversation this morning. We have these two girls who, you know, we, got, we were raised together. And now we have uh, two of our girls who are the same age as his girls. And, and here we are raising them together. And a lot of that's luck, right? We, you don't get to plan that kind of stuff. Um, but the short term is tough. But, but the long play is, of covenant is so rich and, and beautiful. And so many of you have that. And so I just, if, if, you've, if you don't have that, if you feel like you've just kind of, you know, popped into communities over time, I just want to invite you into that and, and to see it from the long game. And um, that's, where the, that's where the fruit really plays out because um, you're going to go through hard times and that's when, you, that's when covenant really matters in those moments. So, but I want to, I'll say that just to affirm you guys and, and who you've been to me. All right, so here's what, let's do this. I'd like to just, this is almost all, the whole list. And I thought, why don't we just take a moment of silence and I'll just leave you with the spirit and these words. And maybe, I guess, maybe there's one of these that you feel like, yeah, that's, I really want to lean into that one right now. And of course, a, a certain relationship or friendship might be running through your mind right now. And, and you might need one of these. I mean, you might need them all. But I, I would just in, encourage you to, to hold your heart before the Spirit of God and say, what, what do you want me to hear today? Is there one of these that you're, you're really asking me to lean into? <laughs> 